From the Financial Times in London, I'm Joshua Oliver, and this is the FT Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. India lags far behind other developing countries in providing medical care for its citizens. Prime Minister Narendra Modi has proposed a policy that would extend health insurance coverage to half a billion people, but critics say its costs will grow out of control and that the country's health system is already stretched beyond capacity. From India, the FT's Amy Kasman reports on whether the Prime Minister has the right prescription. At dusk in front of the Medical College Hospital of Benares Hindu University, Ram Ashish Rajbar, a day laborer from a village 200 kilometers away, settles onto a mat on the pavement. He will spend the night there with his 12-year-old son, Karan, who has cancer. The hard ground, shared with scores of other ailing Indians from far-flung places, has grown familiar to the father and son since the boy was diagnosed a year ago. His treatment requires chemotherapy every 21 days. A doctor sees him some days later. But beds in the overcrowded public hospital are in short supply. Patients are discharged as quickly as possible, leaving the duo to camp on the pavement while awaiting a follow-up doctor's visit. The four-hour train ride home, then back again a few days later, is too arduous. That is not the only hardship. While the government medical college ostensibly provides free care, patients must pay for their own drugs, a huge expense for diseases such as cancer. Mr. Rajbar, who earns around 7,000 rupees a month or $104 when working full-time, says he has spent more than 170,000 rupees on his son's fight against cancer. This has wiped out his savings and pushed the family into debt. I'm in extremely dire condition, he says softly. The money I had saved to build a house is gone. I also have a 21-year-old daughter to marry off. All of that will be difficult now. Such stories are all too common in India, where chronic neglect and low funding of public health are hampering efforts to lift families out of poverty and stabilize the fragile middle class. Nearly 70% of India's total health spending comes out of the pockets of patients' families, straining household budgets and creating severe inequities in access to care. While wealthy Indians check into private, well-equipped, super-specialty hospitals, including publicly listed corporate chains such as Apollo Hospitals, Max India, and Fortis Healthcare, the poor are relegated to cash-strapped, overstretched public facilities. There, they must pay for drugs, diagnostic tests, and even basic medical supplies out of their own pocket. Narendra Modi has ambitious plans to tackle this health crisis. The Prime Minister's government is preparing the imminent rollout of a national health protection scheme, which aims to provide India's poorest 100 million households, an estimated 500 million people, with insurance covering annual hospital expenses of up to 500,000 rupees. Dubbed Modi Care by the media, the program, likely to be launched this year, will allow beneficiaries to receive cashless inpatient care at government hospitals or approved private facilities. It will be paid at fixed rates for treating various diseases. 
The scheme is trumpeted by the administration as the world's largest government-funded healthcare program. It comes as India deals with rising incidence of non-communicable diseases such as diabetes, heart disease, and cancer on top of its existing high burden of infectious diseases. This is something the country needed, says Nilaya Varma, head of KPMG, India's healthcare practice. You can't consider yourself an emerging or developed country when millions go into poverty because of health incidents and the government can't provide for it. Despite decades of high growth, India still lags far behind other developing countries, such as China, Brazil, and Thailand, intending to the health needs of its citizens. Because of that neglect, India's outcomes in indicators such as maternal and infant mortality are poorer than many other countries at similar or lower levels of development. But Mr. Modi is betting that the promise of public support for citizens to secure treatment at private hospitals will not only transform India's healthcare landscape, but could yield rich electoral dividends when he seeks a second term in next year's general elections. Details of just how the scheme will work are still being hammered out, as are the costs. The government initially estimates these at $1.7 billion for the first two years. Others believe they will be substantially higher and soar further as the program matures. But Dr. Vinod Paul, who is in charge of the health portfolio at the Niti Aayog, the government think tank that has designed the plan, calls it a turning point. He says it will bring quality hospital care to millions for whom it has so far been out of reach or the cause of ruin. Access is the first issue, says Dr. Paul. We are making secondary and tertiary hospitalization accessible to the people of India through the private and public sector without them having to pay for it, which they have never thought possible. Right now, people don't even go for treatment because they cannot go. For Urmila Devi, who was recently camped outside Varanasi's private 150-bed heritage hospital for days while her six-year-old son was treated for an affliction that hid his eyesight, such a scheme seems transformative. Her family sold their mud hut for 50,000 rupees and borrowed from neighbors to fund her son's month-long odyssey through public and private hospitals. I've lost everything, but I'm just praying my son will be all right, she says. New Delhi estimates that at least 63 million vulnerable Indians, or around 5% of the population, are forced back into poverty each year by unexpected catastrophic medical emergencies. At Heritage Hospital, doctors say patients are frequently discharged too early because they have run out of funds. But experts caution that ensuring proper care for India's masses will require far more than merely giving them the capacity to cover the costs of being admitted to hospital in the event of a critical illness. Health insurance is just a financial instrument, says Shamika Ravi, a senior fellow at Brookings India and a member of Mr. Modi's Economic Advisory Council. It's going to be as valuable to the client or the patient as the care that it can buy. India's health system is severely stunted with shortages of skilled personnel and hospitals. 
India has just one doctor for every 1,600 people below the World Health Organization's recommended level of one per 1,000, and it has an acute shortage of specialists such as cardiologists, oncologists, and surgeons. For many Indians, lack of appropriate primary care, including early diagnosis of chronic diseases and timely treatment of minor ailments, leads to more serious and costly crises later. Good quality treatment is particularly scarce in the poor northern Hindi heartlands. Patients travel long distances to reach dilapidated government hospitals or wind up in tiny, unregulated private nursing homes. However, the government expects the scheme to trigger a surge in healthcare investment. Dr. Paul says, We have a public health system in which we have been investing. In parallel, a private system has come up. It is an asset of the nation too. Even these two systems may not be enough. There has to be an infusion of more resources and more infrastructure on the ground. But risks loom. With demand for treatment rising, many experts warn that healthcare costs will inevitably rise, raising the burden on the government and pinching those not covered by the scheme. Ms. Ravi says, It's just going to lead to all kinds of cost escalation. That is the nature of an insurance-driven market. Neither the caregiver, the doctor, nor the patient has any incentive to reduce costs. Some critics believe New Delhi would be better off investing more on modernizing the dilapidated public health care system where there are no incentives to overtreat and strengthening primary and preventive care. It's a good intention, but first build your health system, which is full of inadequacies of personnel, infrastructure, and medicine supply systems, says Sujata Rao, India's former health secretary. You have to invest in hospitals, otherwise prices will go so high you can't contain them. New Delhi plans to spend $184 million to enhance 150,000 primary health centers. These are now focused mainly on prenatal care and immunization. Ms. Rao says other aspects should be bolstered too. She adds, We are too poor a country to just go on the idea that the private sector will deliver. You have to have both public and private. India's experience with smaller-scale insurance schemes highlights the implementation challenges ahead. In 2008, New Delhi lost the Rashtriya Swastya Bhima Yojana, or RBSY, to cover up to 30,000 rupees in hospital costs for poor families, including informal workers. Today, around 36 million families are ostensibly covered. But Dr. N. Devadasan, co-founder of the Bangalore-based Institute of Public Health, says that years later, many beneficiaries did not know how or where to gain access to free treatment. Instead, they wound up in private hospitals that were not part of the program, ultimately paying out of pocket for their care. Dr. Devadasan, who has tracked RSBY since it began, says the failure to fully brief poor, uneducated beneficiaries appeared to be a, quote, deliberate strategy of the insurance companies, end quote, to minimize claims. He says, You distribute the card, but you don't inform the patient or people what it is for or how it is used, and then the claims are less.
Efforts to game the system were also rampant, he says, with individuals and hospitals jointly forging medical records to share the subsequent payout. Suspecting widespread fraud, insurers regularly delay payments or reimburse only a fraction of what was claimed. He says, The main lesson that the government should have learned is that you have to have checks and balances in place. There was no capacity at the state level to do this, and it was a kind of a free-for-all. In Delhi, Dr. Paul acknowledges the magnitude of the challenges, including that of hospital regulation. But he is confident the government will tackle them. He says, We will learn. We will continue to build the ship as we sail. If they cheat, which they will, and if they commit fraud, which they will, not all, but a few, there are ways to tackle, using technology, using robust oversight, and managerial mechanisms. He insists India is poised to transform healthcare for the better. He says, There is a huge vision behind it. Getting translated will take a while, but it is a game changer. My guess is that in 10 years' time, we will push our life expectancy by 10 years, and we will reduce our out-of-pocket payments for catastrophic medical expenses by 50%. Thanks for listening to the FT Big Read. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on all the usual apps. The inexorable rise of China, the changing nature of work, the future of liberal capitalism, the power of Silicon Valley, the world of artificial intelligence. Join Gideon Rachman, Sarah O'Connor, Martin Wolf, Rana Faruha and John Thornhill as they explore some of the most significant questions of our age in a new podcast, The FT Big Picture. To listen and subscribe, visit ft.com slash podcasts.